Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audio book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, everyone. This is Nikki Tobias. I'm a life and business coach and the founder of Grounded Vision Coaching and Consulting. I want to share with all of you a huge apology to anybody who was listening to my interview a couple of days ago with Coach Jenny um, that we got cut off because my phone, my landline phone, just blatantly, without warning, disconnected. And so then that leads to my apology for today that um, the show got rescheduled <laughs> multiple times today because the folks who deliver my telephone, internet, and cable came today, and that took longer than we thought, but hopefully they got it fixed. And then 10 minutes before I was going to come on air, uh, the folks with the gas company show up and say they're giving me a new meter and need to climb under my house. And so it has been quite the afternoon, crazy, crazy, crazy things happening. Um, but this show mattered to me so much today that I was going to persevere. So I've been promising you all information on vulnerability after I did the show on the seven levels of intimacy. And so I'm so excited to share this information with you. And so much so that I probably have way more than I can actually fit in one show. So this may be a, a to be continued at the end, but we'll see how far we get. As always, I would love, love, love for you to call in and talk with me. The guest call in number is 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397. Press 1 if you want to talk to me. Otherwise, I'd love to have you listen. Um, and as always, we would love for you to check out and like the Life Coach Radio Network Facebook page, my Grounded Vision Facebook page, and also to write a review on iTunes. Reviews help uh, any of our shows get more play with iTunes so that more people get to listen to our content. And so adding a review there would be absolutely wonderful. If you want to be in touch with me, uh, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook at Grounded Vision. As I said, you can also find me at groundedvisioncoaching.com or email me, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. I really would love to hear from you. So let's just jump in. Um, one of my very favorite thought leaders in the world currently is Brene Brown. I love, love, love her. I loved her before she made it to Oprah and uh, a lot of her books prior to that. And so I've been reading through Daring Greatly again, such a good book. And then um, from there was Rising Strong, which is also an excellent book. 
And one of her older books has been republished, um, and it's called I Thought It Was Just Me, something similar to that. Um, but today we're really going to focus on Daring Greatly. And she's done, Brene Brown has done a lot of work on vulnerability and wholehearted living. And she defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So in a lot of ways, when you hear that, feeling exposed, it's like, gosh, no wonder nobody wants to do this. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, the times that it's appropriate to be vulnerable, other times when it may not be so appropriate to be vulnerable. And I'm going to leave you hopefully with some of my ideas and some questions for you to pose for yourself moving forward. So one of the things that Brene says in the book, very explicitly I'm quoting here, she says, we've confused feeling with failing and emotions with liabilities. We've confused feeling with failing and emotions with liabilities. And so there's this automatic thought that when we feel, somehow that's weak. Or when we share a need that we have or this moment of vulnerability, that somehow asking for help, reaching out for help is inappropriate, is somehow weak, and that we should be able to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and steamroll through life. And we've probably even all heard those phrases, right, that we are responsible for our own lives, that we should be able to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. And I absolutely believe in our self-responsibility. I absolutely believe that there are things within our control. And I also believe that we grow up before school and in our beginning years of school learning how to behave in such a way that is culturally acceptable or acceptable to the society or our families or at school. And so we learn how to follow the leader. We learn how to get in line. We learn how to sit at our desks. We learn how to manage ourselves in ways that culturally is appropriate for wherever we are at that time. And there's a real sense that what you need isn't often considered because the group is being considered. So at school, there's a whole lot of kids. And so in order for all the kids to learn, you have to sit quietly in your desk and do what you're told, um, perhaps in churches. Certainly there's rules about how we behave at restaurants or at the mall. And so there's this interesting thing that happens as we grow up that we learn to silence ourselves in a lot of ways and to try to manage that independence, to be independent. But I would argue that the skill that's more appropriate for our adult lives is interdependence, this sense that we absolutely do need one another in order to be successful, that we weren't put on this earth to be alone, to live alone to do everything on our own. And so in order to have these deep, strong, revitalized relationships, we have to find ways to be vulnerable. And some of the things that the examples that Brene gives about times when we might feel vulnerability, and there are a lot in there. I just picked a few out. But when you share an unpopular position or opinion, when you ask for help, when you say no, when you start your own business, 
when maybe you're the caretaker and there are decisions and discussions happening around someone's end of life, when you want to initiate sex, when you want to go on a first date, saying I love you first, getting fired, awaiting medical results, giving and receiving feedback, admitting fear, asking for forgiveness, or telling your boss something difficult that's happening where you work. She's quoted here, she says, vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they are never weakness. It's so powerful to be vulnerable. It's so powerful to have a relationship that allows for vulnerability and intimacy. Because when that's the case, that relationship can build and can strengthen infinitely. And being able to have those people in your life that you can be truly vulnerable and intimate with and also that they feel similarly in that situation, that they can be share their vulnerability and their intimacy with you, those are the kinds of relationships that help fill up our emotional gas tanks that allow us to go on another day in the midst of the fear or the chaos or the tension or even the anger that we feel. Renee says when she's feeling really, really vulnerable, she has this prayer that she says to herself, give me the courage to show up and let myself be seen. Give me the courage to show up and to let myself be seen. Boy, that's two parts, right, to really show up. And, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about. Lots of people, quote, unquote, show up on Facebook on Facebook or other social media sites. But often we see people showing up in the ways they want to be seen versus the ways that are authentically them. So, of course, then Brene counters the showing up with and let myself be seen. Let my true self be seen. And in order to be able to do that, we have to have some confidence. We have to believe that the people that we're showing ourselves to will show up for us, will allow themselves to be seen, that those people will accept our true selves, our whole selves. And it also requires that we've taken some time to figure out who we are, to be able to talk about ourselves in ways that are not, ways that make us feel small or that misrepresent who we are and who we want to be. She says, vulnerability begets vulnerability and courage is contagious. I just love that. Vulnerability begets vulnerability and courage is contagious. So I really wrestle there with who comes first. Are you the first one in your relationship to be vulnerable, to show courage, and to hope for that to come to you? Or do you wait for someone else to be vulnerable and courageous? That's a point worth reflecting on, I think. What about your relationship with another person 
tells you, cues you in, that you can share your vulnerability with them, that you can share your true self with them. And also, who's sharing, whether on Facebook or at their church or in their friendships with their children, with their partners, who's sharing themselves really vulnerably so that their courage becomes contagious with the people around them? That's such a powerful, powerful thing she says. Vulnerability begets vulnerability. Courage is contagious. She says, only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. I think that's another powerful one, right? Only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. And I think about all those things that we feel shameful about. All those things that we may have in our past or that we hear that little voice in our head say about why we're not something enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not tall enough. You're not successful enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not whatever it is enough. And we have those things on repeat, those little voice that comes to the top of our head. And Brooke Castillo is another life coach with the Life Coach School. I really love her. And she says, our brains are like toddlers running around with a butcher knife. And that although the toddler has no intention of being harmful running around with a butcher knife, we need to take the knife and manage the kid. (laughs) Right? We need to manage our brains. And so when those thoughts come up about what is somebody going to say or What if I'm not successful enough? Or what if I get online and I go to share something really vulnerable and people make fun of me? Or maybe I post something on Facebook asking for feedback and no one writes back. Then what? Well, then the question is, what are you making that mean about you? Because in reality, it might not mean anything about you at all. It may be a lot about them, whoever the them is that they don't want to talk about their vulnerability. They don't want to share. Maybe that all those people haven't been on social media today. Maybe they're not seeing your posts. Maybe you share your vulnerability face-to-face and you ask them to share theirs and they're just unwilling or unable to do that yet. And so these things that we're shameful about feel like these dark corners, these dark areas of our lives, these places where no light has been. I think about little kids being afraid of the dark, right, or afraid of the monster under the bed, and the sense that it's always worse when it's in the dark. And so what if being vulnerable meant shining a light on those dark corners of our lives? Like Brene says, when we're brave enough to explore the darkness, we discover the infinite power of our light. What if the infinite power of our light came through being vulnerable so that we could shine that light on the vulnerable places within our own lives and allow other people to use that light to shine on the vulnerable places in their lives. What a different world we might have if we showed up for one another, if we were vulnerable and we allowed other people to be vulnerable. She makes this really clear point that I also loved about how vulnerability is the last thing I want you to see in me, but the first thing I look for in you. Isn't that the truth? 
that we have this expectation of other people to be really vulnerable, to be open, to be honest, to be real. All the while, we're hiding behind any number of things in our lives. I've had this real epiphany recently. You know, I'm a learner. I love to read. I've gone to school more years of my life than I haven't. (laughs) I have a master's degree and a Ph.D. I clearly really enjoy learning. But what I'm now learning about myself as an entrepreneur who's building a coaching business is that it's entirely possible and probably likely that I hide behind learning. Many of us hide behind busy, right? We're always busy. Busy is the new addiction. And examples like being busy, examples like hiding behind my learning, feel positive. They feel appropriate. It doesn't have the negative connotation to it that other addictions do, like drugs or alcohol or gambling or sex or shopping or, you know, any number of other addictions have this sort of negative connotation. But if I'm hiding behind learning or I hide behind I'm busy, I'm too busy to have intimate, vulnerable conversations, I'm too busy to show up really intimately and vulnerable myself, I'm too busy to have this difficult conversation I need to have with a family member or a friend or a colleague. For me, the learning piece, the way I hide behind that is, man, I can't make that Facebook Live or I'm not ready to shoot that video. I need to read more about that first, that topic, before I go and do something with it publicly. I need to learn more about vulnerability or intimacy before I do a radio show about it. And so that sounds really good that I'm busy. It sounds really good that I'm learning. But if we really got honest with ourselves about how we're spending our time and we really were clear about whether or not we're hiding and if we are hiding, what we're hiding behind, what a different world it would be if we really stopped hiding, if we found our infinite power of our light, if we shared that light with others. You know, and we're talking about thinking about kids and the monsters in the dark and the fear. You know, kids really model vulnerability better than we do as adults. They don't have the same filters. They don't have the same regulators. They're not nearly as concerned with what other people will think or whether people will like them or not. A lot of kids don't mind to be alone or play alone. They don't mind to tell you they love you. They don't mind to say what hurts or what feels good. And so, again, you know, I keep thinking about how we raise children to behave in ways that we find, quote, unquote, acceptable. And that if our children don't behave acceptably, You know, right away we're trying to find out what's wrong with them, what's wrong with me as a parent, what do I have to do to get them in line, quote, unquote. And in reality, I think what we could do is start taking some lessons from these very kids who know how to be really vulnerable, really real, and really strong day in and day out in their lives. So then that leads to this section in Daring Greatly around oversharing 
And, you know, we probably all know an oversharer, right? Someone who seems to just tell all their business to anyone who will listen any time of the day or night without a sense of whether that time or that place is the most appropriate, about whether the person they're about to share it with is a person that is safe to share with. And, you know, it. She talks about two different kinds of oversharing that I wanted to share with all of you. There's a, an idea she has called floodlighting. So you're pouring tons and tons of light into an area. And by that she means sharing a very vulnerable story with someone we have no emotional connection with. And that that oversharing becomes the armor that keeps people away. Right? So you can imagine these folks are desperate to have that emotional connection. They're desperate to be in relationship. And so out of that desperation to be connected, to have that intimacy, to build that vulnerability, to have people to really emotionally connect with, they share this piece of their lives or several pieces of their lives, and they overshare. They just blab it all out. And Brene talks about often what, what happens then is, is that the person who hears that overshare tends to wince. Maybe physically they wince or they turn away. Maybe it's just emotionally they um, retract. They, they move back away from that person doing that oversharing. And the, then that helps that person to keep their distance from the oversharer, from the person who's floodlighting. And then what does that serve to do? But that serves as this self-fulfilling prophecy. So the floodlighter says, man, every single time I try to share, every single time I try to make a friend, every single time I try to be vulnerable or intimate with someone, all everyone else does is run away. They don't want to hear it. Um, they just push me away. They just they don't want to answer my phone calls. They don't want to visit with me. And so it builds this self-fulfilling prophecy that when I share, when I show up as myself, I'm met with resistance or I'm pushed away. But what we need to help those people understand is that it isn't their vulnerability that we're pushing away. It's the amount of it. It's the time frame that it happens, that it's contingent on our relationship to one another. That it isn't that we don't want to share vulnerability with them. It's just that maybe at our cubicles at work isn't the best place to do it. Or maybe we don't have an hour today to hear the life story of this other person. And then the second way that Brene talks about oversharing is this sense of smash and grab, right? Like a robbery. Like when the, the robber, you know, breaks the jewelry store window and they steal all the jewelry. Or there for a while I felt like in the news every day was somebody driving into um, a building or somehow into the place where the, the ATM machine was, and then they would just steal the whole ATM machine and, and take it away so that they could break into it to get the money. Well, Brene's explanation of that smash and grab in terms of oversharing is about smashing through people's social boundaries with a shameful story for attention. So she mentions, you know, there are certain celebrities, there are certain folks who are famous who really use 
sensationalism and being provocative as a way to keep people tuning in, you know? Almost like a really bad car accident that you can't help but look away from. There's this sense that if if I just drop this on you. Um, my counselor once in a session with me, I was sharing a story with her, and she said, man, it's like you got emotionally flashed. Like that person flashed you with this amount of emotion in the middle of a conversation that was not emotional, and it kind of left me stunned. And when she said that, it was like it was like an emotional flashing. I was like, holy cow, yes, yes, that's how it felt. Like I was shocked, and I was in awe, and I was speechless. And I needed some time to process through what that person had said in order to be able to respond. But it all happened so quickly that I couldn't even do it in the moment. And so I'm liking that sort of emotional flashing to Brene's sense of this smash and grab. And um, she even mentioned that she didn't have enough people in the research study to go into it with a lot of depth, but that some school administrators and some school teachers had said that that happens a lot in schools, that, you know, kids, young people are sharing some really intimate thing with the hopes of really getting that attention, that energy in the moment. And um, that led me to think about how, you know, we talk about young people and, and even some not-so-young people and how there's a sense that bad attention is better than none at all, that there's such a need for, for that person to receive the attention, to get that love, to have that energy, that they do this smash-and-grab technique and sharing something like like being suicidal or the fact that they may have been assaulted or um Heck, that they broke up with a significant other as a means of getting that attention that they need in the moment and not understanding that that's helping to keep people away from them because people don't want to share their vulnerability for fear that this oversharer, this smash and grabber will share the other person's intimate and vulnerable moments with the public. Alongside reading Daring Greatly, I also read The Dance of Connection by Harriet Lerner. Harriet Lerner has a whole bunch of, um, I think there's The Dance of Anger. There's She has a whole bunch of books around connection and intimacy, anger, um, some really, really neat books, and a whole, a whole um, library of her own writings around these different things. And they were really, really interesting. She actually defines vulnerability as the quality of being easily hurt or attacked, capable of or susceptible to being wounded or hurt, open to moral attack, criticism, temptation, exposed, a tender side. And so, gosh, I don't know, I I push back against a little bit of that definition, this quality of being easily hurt or attacked, because... I believe that you absolutely can be hurt or attacked by sharing your vulnerability, by being vulnerable. But I don't, as I said earlier, that's not weak. It's not about the ease of your getting hurt or attacked. It's that you're having the courage to, as Brene said, show up 
and let myself be seen with the hopes that that person that I'm sharing that vulnerability with can share it back with me and can support me and hold the space for me in that moment. Harriet Lerner in The Dance of Connection says, things we consider shameful about ourselves are often universal. And we learn that everyone has things that they're shameful about. So, you know, you think about, um, you know, don't we all have some picture of ourselves with some crazy haircut from a prior decade? And you think, holy cow, what was I thinking? Or what were we all thinking um, in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s? And that may be on the sort of funnier, potentially less vulnerable end of the spectrum, but that's an example of something that we may feel some shame about or some embarrassment about. But as we age, we realize that lots of people have that picture of their crazy hairdo or of their blue suit or um, of, who knows, a drug they tried or, or getting intoxicated with their high school friends and some behavior that came out of it. So there's a sense that as we age, some of that shame can potentially even be reduced when we realize that we were not alone in that behavior. We were not alone in that choice. She talks about how sharing brings us closer to one another, but that sharing indiscriminately has the opposite effect. That ties with what Brene said about oversharing. That sharing is good. Oversharing with someone we don't have an emotional connection with or emotional relationship with Sharing indiscriminately only works to keep people at a distance. It doesn't help us to bring them in. She talks about concealing versus revealing and finding the balance between when we conceal information versus when we reveal information. When, when we don't share something because we don't have the relationship versus when we do share our vulnerability because we do have the relationship. And so that leads me to challenge myself and other people to find those people that are worthy, worthy of hearing our stories, who won't minimize our feelings, who won't minimize our pain, who won't minimize our experience. Because in the end, all we really want is to be heard. All we all really want is to be loved. All we all really want is to find our tribe, the people who love us for who we are as we grow, as we develop, as we screw up, as we succeed. You know, it might be Will Smith. Somebody has a phrase out there that says, if you won't be with me through the struggle, through the journey, then you are not going to be with me when I'm successful. How powerful is that? I want people on the boat rowing with me, not against me. And then um, Harriet Lerner talks about overfunctioners and underfunctioners. So the overfunctioners typically have difficulty really sharing vulnerable information because they're often perceived as always reliable. They're the people that have it all together. And so they are invested in maintaining their image and their reputation. And so how they can become more vulnerable is to figure out how to show a more tender side. Gosh, when I read about overfunctioners, it was like ding, 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 ding. I could check all the boxes. I am absolutely someone who in times of crisis, in times of chaos, can be tough and 
strategic and make difficult decisions and do a bunch of things at the same time and get a job done, manage a crisis, overcome that challenge. I see myself as having very much a work first, play later mentality. And so when you're in that moment, when you're in your head, when you're making big decisions, when you're getting things done, when you're being reliable, when you're being consistent, people see you potentially as tough, um, difficult, uh, bossy, mm, you know, hard to break in, not tender. And so I really strive to also show that tender side, to be able to challenge a situation but also to support somebody through the journey of facing that situation. The opposite of the overfunctioners then are those underfunctioners. So they're the people that become less competent and under stress. They want other people to take over. They allow other people to take over. They encourage other people to take over. So for them, the challenge is around finding the strength not allowing themselves to be bullied, not having someone take over that decision for them, that aspect of their lives for them. And so isn't that interesting? These opposing poles, this overfunctioner and underfunctioner, both need the skills that the other one has. So, so interesting. And so you can see how in those times of stress, in that time of chaos, where for both of them, what they need is vulnerability. The underfunctioner can be vulnerable and show up strong for themselves as opposed to letting other people take that over for them. The overfunctioner can be really vulnerable and ask for help. They can be tender in reaching out and knowing that they need some help in order to get through that stressful situation. I want to take a moment here and remind you all, please call in, talk to me, agree with me, disagree with me, challenge me, question me. Let's have a conversation. The guest call-in number is 646-716-9397, 646-716-9397. Press 1 if you want to chat. That will let me know that you want in the queue. Also, I wanted to remember to tell you that I offer free discovery coaching sessions you can find those sessions and schedule one at calendly.com backslash Nicole-R-Tobias backslash 60MIN. So you can get a free discovery coaching session with me, hour-long coaching session, at the address I just listed. And you can find that address in the show notes on blogtalkradio.com. So... We talked about Daring Greatly and how Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and how she sees it, some really powerful information there. And we talked about the book The Dance of Connection by Harriet Lerner and how vulnerability plays out in that book. And so I have to be honest, I have more questions than answers for you, for me, for the world really. But here are some of the things that I've been thinking, and I'd be really interested to hear from you. So what exactly is your take on vulnerability? Do you agree with the definitions that I shared? Do you disagree with them somehow? I wonder, too, how does vulnerability feel in your body? 
So if you go back to Brooke Castillo, Brooke Castillo says that feelings are only vibrations in our body. They're our body's way of signaling us. And so if we see feelings that way, if we believe that feelings are vibrations in our body, then we don't need to be afraid of them. And we can truly experience any feeling and then be able to handle it from there. I'm usually so in my head, I'm usually such a learner, that sometimes it's really hard to drive myself into the place of feeling. Sometimes I have to understand a process or think about what happened, be able even to name it before I can feel it. But what I'm learning to do is to really go into my body at those times that I'm having trouble feeling and saying, how does this feel in my body? Is it fear in my belly? Is it excitement? And I know that because my heart's racing. And so when I can really get into what's happening in my body, sometimes that can be the cue to tell me how I'm really feeling. How cool is that? That it's just our body's way of signaling to us how we're feeling, whether we're afraid, whether we're angry, whether we're happy or excited, whether we're anxious, joyful. Our bodies help us know that. And so how does vulnerability feel in your body? Do you perceive vulnerability as weakness? Do you perceive vulnerability as strength? Is it something else entirely? That's worth us figuring out within each of ourselves. Are you willing to be as vulnerable as you are willing to support someone being vulnerable? Are you as willing to be vulnerable as you are willing to support somebody being vulnerable? So I always find myself showing up for other people in their vulnerability, really being there, being there in the really difficult times, being there to celebrate the accomplishments, really showing up and being supportive for other people. But I notice then that a couple things happen. One is that when I'm always being strong for other people, I don't always take the time to be vulnerable, to share my vulnerability with others. And then sometimes what I notice is when you're often there for other people who are being vulnerable and you're reliable, you're consistent, you're supportive, what can happen in that is it can begin to build a codependence if that vulnerability is only shared one way. So what happens is that person becomes someone who really needs you to be stable, needs you to be consistent, needs you to be reliable in those times that they're in great need, in crisis, need that support. But if you don't early in that relationship also show up as vulnerable, then that person doesn't have to be there with you doesn't have to learn how to build the muscle where they can receive the vulnerability, where they can support your vulnerability, where they can show up as their whole selves. And I would argue then that the relationship isn't as strong as it could be because when that relationship is reciprocal, when it's a two-way street, when both of you can share when great things happen and both of you can share when difficult things happen, then you can support one another, you can challenge one another, you can be emotional with one another, it builds intimacy in that relationship versus being somewhat hierarchical, right? 
when when a student shows up and the teacher quote unquote knows all and the student's just there to learn or a child and a parent and the parent always has the answers and the child's always you know learning and doing what they may be told to do if you want a true friendship if you want intimacy in your relationship a hierarchy keeps you can keep you from building that strong reciprocal relationship where both people get to show up as their whole selves both people grow both people are challenged both people help the other one succeed live show up whole shine the lights on the dark corners of our lives such a powerful thing when we both show up i wonder if you avoid vulnerability we talked about this sense of busy being a new addiction how busy numbs us from feeling from living from slowing down boy everybody will take a picture with their phone are they taking a picture with their minds are they making a true memory or are they taking a picture to post it on Facebook and build some sort of popularity are we using other addictions and distractions to avoid vulnerability do we feel the need to protect ourselves at all costs many of you know i used to be an executive director for a domestic violence program and shelter and and i've worked with lots of people who have had trauma in their lives and who have survived pretty significant trauma in their lives. And it makes complete sense to me that many of us have been through things and that we are of the belief that we are here to protect ourselves and at all costs. I really I really do get that. I connect with that. I feel that in certain areas of my life. And I really also know that the only way that I can truly be vulnerable is to reach out, is to ask for help, is to ask for what I need, because I know that I have a much better likelihood of getting what I need when I ask for it. And so I can choose to protect myself at all costs and not build the relationships I really want to have with my friends and my family, my colleagues, even to make new friends. Or I can keep people at a distance in order to protect myself. Those are the choices we have. I wonder, does vulnerability trigger embarrassment? Does vulnerability trigger your shame? Or does your shame and your embarrassment come before your vulnerability? Do they come hand in hand? Brene talks a lot about vulnerability and shame. Some of the other thoughts I had are that we need to have people in our lives who provide us different things, right? We all know someone, maybe we are the someone, who wants to have this one very best friend or they only have their significant other in their lives. And that's really dangerous. It's really unfortunate to expect that this one person will be all things to you that puts a lot of responsibility in their lap to show up in all the ways that you need someone to show up. So when we have these multiple people in our lives and we have people who we know are really supportive and we know people, that we have people who will sort of kick us in the butt sometimes when we need it and we have people who play devil's advocate in our lives 
and we have people who teach us things. We have all sorts. Hopefully we have all sorts of people in our lives who can provide these different parts. And so then you learn who you can be vulnerable with. You learn who is able to be vulnerable with you. I think vulnerability requires practice, right? We have to test out something, maybe moderately vulnerable with someone, and see how they handle it, see how we handle it, and build that vulnerability muscle. And so start small if you must, but start. Continue. Practice. You know, something I learned when I was in student affairs, they have this thing called making the ask. And typically when you're in the world of higher education and even fundraising, the ask is for money, right? You have to actually make the ask. So you pitch somebody on your nonprofit or you pitch them on your institution or um, you pitch them on a campaign that you're running to do some fundraising, and then you say, you ask for what you need from them. So are you willing, are you interested, are you able to make a $5,000 donation to support this cause? So what's really neat about making the ask is that then the other person knows what we really want and we need because we've articulated it. So we have a better chance of getting what we want because we've asked for it and we've articulated it. And it also gives that other person that you're making the ask of, it gives them the choice. They get to say, yes, yes, that is the type of relationship I want to have with you. Or no, I don't think that I can. We rarely get what we don't ask for. And we rarely encourage other people, show other people how they can best show up for us. So make the ask. There's this piece around overcoming fear and anxiety, right? When, we, when we're thinking we want to be vulnerable, there's this fear that comes up, anxiety that comes up. What are you afraid of? Are you, are we afraid to be rejected when we share something that we perceive as shameful or embarrassing when we're trying to be vulnerable? Are we afraid that it looks like weakness? Are we afraid of someone's judgment? Are we afraid that they'll laugh at us or they'll think we're crazy? And if that's true, if we're afraid of those things, how do we know that's going to be true? What data or evidence do you have that you'll be rejected or that you'll be judged? And if you do have data and evidence that there are a certain person, there's a certain person or there are certain people in your life who do judge you, who do reject you, who do laugh when you're trying to have a vulnerable moment, then do you really need or want those people in your life? Now, some of those people may need to be a part of your life if there's someone that you work with or, or maybe even a family member, but that doesn't mean then that you can't place boundaries around the types of things that you share with them or what you allow them to share with you. We make boundaries and choices in our lives all the time to help protect us, but also so that we have more of the interactions we would like to have for ourselves in our lives with the people that we care about. The one thing I know is when we show up, like Brene talks about, when we show up as, as who we are, as much of we, as we are of ourselves, we will attract people like us. 
so we talked about vulnerability begets vulnerability. When we show up vulnerable, we're going to find other people who are able to hold a space for you to be vulnerable and who will be vulnerable with you. The other way to maybe counter some of this bit around overcoming that fear and that anxiety that comes up is to ask yourself, is it worth the risk if the gain is stronger, deeper relationships? Am I willing to be vulnerable if it means possibility to have a deeper, stronger relationship with this person? And is a deeper, stronger relationship more of greater value to me, more important to me, more valuable to me than my fear, than my anxiety, than my worry about being embarrassed? Then I would ask you, how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel loved? Do you want to feel vulnerable? Do you want to be able to share? Do you want that deep connection? How do you want to feel? And how do you find and create situations that let you feel more of what you want to feel? What about self-vulnerability? You know, how on earth can we be vulnerable with other people when we're not being honest and vulnerable with ourselves? So how do you get clear? How do you get honest with yourself? How do you figure out who you are? How do you tell yourself the truth? And for me, that's about naming and owning the things that I'm shameful about, the things that are embarrassing to me, feeling what that feels like, shining the light on those dark areas, sharing those things with trusted friends and colleagues, mentors, advisors, going for counseling, getting coaching. Perhaps it's a spiritual practice, meditation, exercise. There are all kinds of things people do to get clear about who they are and what they want in their lives. And so the question is, are you willing to be self-vulnerable or are you willing to self-deceive do you use that self-deception, hiding, denial, excuses to keep even you from your own reality so that no one else can see it? And, man, I'll tell you, when it comes to these things that shame us or that we feel embarrassed about, when it comes to our feelings, I've often said to my students and my clients, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. And often it deals with you at the worst time. So make opportunities to deal with it, whether it's coaching, whether it's counseling, whether it's at church, whether it's in meditation, whether it's journaling. Allow for times when you're quiet, when you're not busy, when you're not distracted, so that you can learn what is the voice that is truly you and what is the voice of the toddler with a knife. And make more time for the voice that is truly you. Journal about your fears and the excuses that surface for you. Figure out where they come from. And then there's a piece here I wanted to share that I think is so, so interesting about self-disclosure with strangers. Have you ever noticed sometimes you'll be sitting on a bus or in the waiting room at the doctor or, gosh, I don't know, even at a at a coffee shop, and someone will strike up a conversation with you or with someone else that is a stranger to them and they'll share all sorts of things about their lives with them. 
there's a movement called Urban Confessional, and Urban Confessional is like free listening, right? Folks go out into parks and, and downtowns and in urban areas, and they, they hold these posters, hold these pieces of cardboard that are, um, you know, the stereotypical sign for someone who's homeless, but it says free listening, and it says, want to talk, I'll listen. And it's this sense that, Many of us don't feel like we're heard. Many of us don't have those people in our lives that are really willing to listen without an agenda. So interesting that people will share more with strangers than they'll share with their family and their friends and their colleagues. Why would that be? Perhaps because they feel less shame. They're not concerned about seeing that person ever again. That person may not know their name. They don't know their story. That isn't somebody they work with. It isn't information that can be held against them later. And so here's what I want. I want to be able to do the urban confessional, to say free listening, to ask, are you okay, and be there for the answer. I want to show up for other people. I want to listen really well. I don't want to listen to answer. I don't want to listen to defend. I don't want to listen to suggest. I want to listen so that somebody else feels like they can be vulnerable in my presence. And then I want to share some of the things that are vulnerable for me to see if they're able to hold that space for me as well. Such an interesting thing to be able to disclose to strangers and not to always to people who are super close to us. So I would ask, what are you going to do with this information now? What is vulnerability to you? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Who exactly do you know right now you can be vulnerable with? Who do you want to build vulnerability with within your relationship? How do you want to show up? What are your fears? What are those excuses? Where do they come from? How do you put those pieces together so that your future around vulnerability, your future relationships, your current relationships in the future have more intimacy, have more vulnerability, and so then can be deeper and more strengthened well into the future? How do you show up? And how do you want other people to show up for you? And are you willing to make that ask of them? So I thank you. I hope that was helpful. Um, if you're hearing all this and you want to hear more, find the Seven Levels of Intimacy uh, show that I did on Blog Talk Radio or through iTunes. You can find my solo-hosted uh, radio shows by searching Nikki Tobias, T-O-B-I-A-S, on iTunes. I really hope you'll connect with me. Um, email me, Nikki, M-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. Find me at groundedvisioncoaching.com online or Grounded Vision on Facebook or Twitter. I really, really would love to continue this conversation with you. Until next time, I hope you have a great day. Please go like my Facebook page and find the Life Coach Radio Network Facebook page. Write a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.